Hello, everyone. This is Rick with the CyberPro Podcast. I'm excited for my guest today. It's five questions-ish in nine minutes because hackers never sleep. So let's get to it. Question number one, who are you and what do you do? Sure. Um, hi, my name is Ian Meyer. I'm the Associate Director for Security Assurance at Marriott Vacations Worldwide. I'm a course director at Full Sail University for our IT programs and our information security programs. And one of my favorite jobs is I'm the president for B-Sides Orlando. And if you're unfamiliar with B-Sides conferences, they're held all over the world to get students and people new to information security and involved in a community-led, low-cost conference to help expose people and learn and share knowledge about information security. And I'm very lucky they let me lead them because they're all leaders on their own. So that's, a, that's me in a, in a very quick nutshell. Nice. And, and I, I have to give props to you and the B-Side group. Thank you very much for that. They do some great things. Uh, I'm surprised you don't have four or five other duties. So maybe you should add that to the list. Question number two, what's your favorite thing about being a cyber expert? The challenges. Um, so the, the challenge is 100% there's no room for boredom or complacency. Now, th this is on its own as a challenge because many of us have to deal with burnout and being able to take a step away. But once you learn how to manage that, and it's hard, it's difficult, it's that there is never an area where there's complacency or boredom. You can always, always learn more. There's always one more thing that somebody wants to integrate into the environment that the business wants to do that somebody needs to set up as part of their business process that is wildly outside of your current knowledge base. So, you know, to be a leader inside of information security, you really have to thrive on learning. You have to decide that it is a lifelong process. You are not going to go learn a skill that you're going to be able to do over and over again for years and years and years uh, with, with very little change to it. And I think a lot of, you know, professions really are that way. When you think about doctors and lawyers and accountants and nurses and, and people who have to take in new information a lot, uh, it's very interesting to see how you need to continue learning. Now, in cybersecurity, the reason that I think that it's really interesting and engaging is because you really have to enjoy polymath style learning. You more and more every single day, businesses want to integrate in IT systems. Now we can, we can talk all day long about if that's a good idea or not, but the truth of the matter is that that box is open, that Pandora's box is here. We want more and more systems to enable things, to make things more efficient the pandemic really accelerated that. How do we do more things remotely? How do we do things more safely remotely and still get business value out of it? So the thing I would leave with on that question is the thing I enjoy is that you have to become questionably knowledgeable. And I, and I love that phrase because it kind of implies two things, that you're a questionable individual. And, and some of you may have caught my mug, the Harry Potter mug. I solemnly swore I'm up to no good. Um, you, you have to, you, it's, you know, I solemnly swear I'm up to no good because I'm trying to break things like a criminal would, but I am up to good because I want to know about it before the criminal does. So you have to be questionably knowledgeable to know what questions to ask. You have to know at least enough as a generalist across the board to say, well, wait a minute, I read this. How do you explain that? Help me understand why that isn't an issue we can be concerned with or should be concerned with. 
And when we do that, at that point, we really start to see very interesting security outcomes because we don't know, uh, you know, I might not be an expert in medical technology and I'm speaking to a doctor and they are, they know why these things do what they do and what kind of data they get. Now we can talk our separate languages but answer each other's questions about how to do it safely. So I think that's the thing that I find most interesting is getting the chance to meet those challenges, find out more about other industries because cybersecurity and IT is uniquely positioned to enable them and talk to them. Nice question to be knowledgeable will have to be the new hashtag when we post this. So I'll make sure we'll drive, we'll drive that. Question number three, cybersecurity. It's the buzzword of, of our modern times. Mm-hmm. It's top of concern, top of mind. What does that mean? What does that What does that mean to you? Um, you know, I, 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 it's it's a really great question, and I'm gonna say it. I think in a way maybe that I've only heard a few people say it, and people that I really respect. When you really go far enough up the food chain and you think about why cybersecurity is important you say, oh, well, it's because we want to secure things. Oh, we, we don't want to have a breach. Oh, we don't want to do this. Well, when you really start to really get to, but why, why don't we want this to happen? It's because data at this point has become more valuable than oil. Let's be legitimate. Data is more valuable than oil. I mean, when you think about data and you think about the petrodollar as, as we've tracked it throughout the world for a number of years, Uh, When you think about those things, data has now become one of the most valuable resources on the planet. The people who can react quicker, who can make decisions faster, uh, all, all you need to do is go and look up the real estate boom that happened in New Jersey around the data center that controls the New York Stock Exchange, which, by the way, is in New Jersey. It's not in Wall Street. The The boom of people trying to get literally inches closer because if you think about grace hopper's amazing lecture about navy admirals coming to her saying i need to get my communications faster and she would pull out a wire and she'd hold it up and say this is a nanosecond this is as fast as electricity can travel in a nanosecond i forget what the actual number is somebody can correct me later but the idea was no matter what i do because of physics the signal can't travel faster. So there's a whole real estate boom around get closer to the data center so we can beat orders in or we can get data's fa- data faster for high frequency trading. When it's that important, when data is that important, it's more valuable than oil. You know, you can use it to make decisions, carve out profit on fractions of a penny. You know, we can now commoditize many of these things that we used to do in person or in longer form mail or telephone conversations into things that take a fraction of a second. So as those things continue to be commoditized, businesses that used to say, hey, you know what, if we get breached, so somebody reads our email, you know, big deal. I don't want to jump on a bandwagon, but we're literally today talking about an oil pipeline shut down because of ransomware. This is happening right now. Those pipelines never used to be computer controlled. You had a bunch of you know trade workers and pipe workers and whatnot controlling those things. And information security was important, but it wasn't critical. Now, I mean like 
20 years ago, 30 years ago. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not saying like yesterday, uh, but these are industries that are very slow to adapt. You know, they say I buy something for 30, 40 years because the amortization rate on it, you know, how much it takes to write it down to, to, to zero is 50 years because it costs a hundred million dollars. I expect it to work that long. And then, you know, 10, 15 years in, they say, oh, well, we've got to connect this thing to the internet because we're going to control it and save a bunch of money. It was never designed to do that. So I think to really kind of hone all that down, I think the reason this is important to leaders is not so much because of breaches. If you go and look at the, the business data around breaches, breaches really don't necessarily hurt businesses. You can go take a look at Equifax. You can go take a look at, you know, biggest breach in, in history at that point. And their stock dropped. And within a couple of months, it was, it was right back up again. And quantitatively, they handled that breach terribly. There, you know, there's, there's, there's no, there's a, so if that's, and Target's still in business. You know, you can say the CEO was was let go, but that was because of a failed expansion into Canada. And it was just another reason to say, well, no, get, get out of here, right? So it's important to leaders because they see the opportunities that the data provides. And to get more of that data, they have to connect more non-traditionally connected systems in. And now they have bigger and bigger liabilities and responsibilities for things that they, they didn't necessarily have to think about before. So I think that's why at the root of it, it's a, it's a key concern. Nice. Question number four, <clears throat> what piece of insight, if you can even come up with one, would you like to share with other cyber professionals? It's a phrase that I use all the time in the classes that I teach. And it's the thing that I try and leave students with because it's one of the reasons I love teaching is because I try and distill them with what I've learned over 20 years. So as they go in to the real world, they can be hyper-focused on delivering positive security outcomes. And what I tell them is I, well, I ask them a question and I'll, I, you know what, let's do this. Let's do it interactive. I'll ask you, how do businesses make money? I ask my classes, how do businesses make money? Sell a product or service that people want. Yep, and that's a very popular answer, but how do they really make money? They, can, <laughs> they talk someone into giving them money for something that somebody thinks they need. Okay, that's pretty close. Let's, let's stop there because I'll generally take this on for a few minutes in the class. <laughs> Businesses are in the business of taking risks. That's what they do. That's how, that's how things are turned into profit. Someone goes through, and the example I always give is fidget spinners. I say, someone said, I'm going to put bearings on a piece of plastic and make millions of dollars. And everyone said, you're a crazy person. No one's going to buy that. And they went through and they invested some money and they had some manufacturer overseas create a bunch of fidget spinners and they sent them over and people went nuts for them. And they might have made them for 50 cents or 25 cents or a nickel or I don't know. And they brought them back over and they sold them for a pile of cash. Now, then everyone got on board, right? They said, oh, I'm going to make a fidget spinner that lights up and I'm going to make one that opens a bottle cap. You know, I'm going to make this and this and this and this. Fine. They do all of that. And that must be my kids. Um, the, uh, the, what is that noise? Um, they, they say, I'm going to make one that does this. And then finally what happens is somebody goes, Oh, I'm going to spend $50,000 and I'm going to make a fidget spinner that flies to the moon and does all this cool stuff. And they make it. And literally as it's on the boat, oh, oh my camera, as it's on the boat coming over, everyone goes, eh, I'm kind of done with fidget spinners. And by the time it gets here and gets to the stores, no one will buy it. They can't even sell it for what they made it for. They took a risk. And 
on that one, it didn't pay off. That first person, it did. Why do I say all that? I say that because when you are a security leader and you're trying to convince a business to do something, when you come at them and you say, well, if we don't do this, this could happen. If we don't do this, it's possible we face this. You're dealing with risk takers, period. They make decisions all day long about risk, whether it's cybersecurity, whether it's who to hire, whether it's where to build a new location, whatever it is, they speak risk. And the way they speak risk is by determining, is the risk worth the reward? Can we absorb a failure? Right. And if you talk to the same business leaders and they look at Target and they look at Equifax, they go, "Uh, maybe we can. And if we take this risk, arguably we can beat our competitors to market or we can do better for our customer or we can do whatever. And you're hitting me with a, maybe this could happen. So what I tell them is don't try and focus necessarily on the risk, focus on resolving the risk with business value. What does the thing do that you're trying to deploy, that you're trying to figure out that helps drive the business? hey, we can deploy this new control that will protect us and it will reduce our compliance costs because we can automate a lot of this checking. Hey, we will deploy this new proxy and VPN tool. And oh, by the way, it's gonna make remote work better and easier so that we can more easily address a pandemic or working remotely, et cetera. Oh, and by the way, it also does all this great security stuff we need. You have to find the angle beyond security that enables the business. And if you can figure out how the thing you want enables the machine that makes money, you'll get positive security outcomes. So that's what I, that's what I try and tell people. That's extremely insightful. And now the fifth question for you, the fun question, the final question, what's your favorite piece of retro technology that makes you smile? I have props. So <laughs> speaking of B-sides, um, <laughs> I love Nixie tubes. And a few years ago, my wonderful team at B-Sides got me, uh, let me find my camera here, there it is. It says MVP Sky Captain on there, and it is a Nixie tube clock. And I need to go through and reset it because it was recently unplugged as uh, we're getting ready to move. But that's the temperature, (laughs) and you'll see it does a whole bunch of things. That's the actual time, so the time's right on there. Uh, The date, I think, is wrong. Um, What is that saying? The date's right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. It's just, yeah, I'm, I'm, see, I'm seeing it mirrored <laughs> for me. Um, but yeah, it's a Nixie tube clock and this is, you know, pre-digital, these little wires, if you're unfamiliar with them glow and each one of them has a zero through a nine. So depending on which leads are lit up, it will change the numbers and it does, this one does this cool animation. Um, but I love Nixie tubes. Nixie tubes are fantastic. And we were on a staff call and my team, we were, uh, we were, you know, something was on it. We were doing, oh, that was right. That was it. It was, um, we were doing our theme for that year was steampunk. And I was talking about how much I like Nixie tubes and, and they surprised me with that gift. And it's one of my favorite things. Uh, it sits, uh, sits on my desk, whatever company I go to and makes me think of the great team that, you know, thought enough of me to do something like that and reminds me to keep being the type of leader that inspires people to to you know want to give you a gift for your leadership so yeah amazing i actually have a i have a clock just like that not as not as awesome as yours because it doesn't Mm -hmm. have your sky captain mvp on there but uh, i love those nixie tubes they're amazing they're so cool and they're so retro 
Thank you so much for that, Ian. What I didn't tell you at the beginning is you are our 100th episode. Ah! Yeah, this is great. So we're super excited to have you on the CyberPro oh, podcast. Oh, where's my, where's my thing? Where, if you would have told me, I could have hit the disco lights. There they are. We can all do a quick dance. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Check out other episodes. And Ian, it's been a pleasure. It's wonderful. Thank you.